One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Oi. The boys and girls on Footy Prime on occasion are known to use vulgarities and frankly appalling language, and sometimes the tales can get quite adult in nature. So keep the volume down if there are kiddies around, and thank you for listening. You know that we are the number one show So grab your fucking mitts and now it's time to go Cause it's the booty booty It's time to get this party started It's the booty booty It's time to get this party started With Danny, Jimmy, Gregor, Amy, Jimmy, JC All we know and all we talk about is booty booty It's time to get this party started tonight Alright fellas, uh, not to say we're under pressure But we're under a lot of pressure Tonight on One Soccer um, The last podcast, which we just finished recording of course Um it was all right. We showed great heart, but we were undermanned big time. Jimmy was at One Soccer, of course, doing CPL because there is paymasters and whatever they say, Jimmy does apparently to help with the podcast. And of course, Dubs is up in the air. Hopefully, she's going to land at some point in time for the show. So uh, let's, let's try and really pull one out for, for the Gipper tonight. Really throw one down. A good show. Okay. Better than the podcast. Agreed? Agreed. All right, let's do this. See you on set. And thanks, everybody, for joining us here at Club Footy Prime Cuts. Now let's meet your dancers for the evening. Jimmy Banana Hammock Brennan. Amy Rub-A-Dub Walsh. Craig the Hardwood Forest. Mm. Long Dan Wong. And let's put our hands together for James Baby Arm Sharp. Baby Arm. This is Footy Prime on One Soccer. Let's get this party started. Mm. <laughs> Thank you, Josie. I love the little, uh, little trail there. Can you do that again for us? Mm. That's the one, yeah. I love Josie's little almost... speakeasy um, stand-up comedy set now. Snaps, Josie. It's that good. Beautiful good. baby. It's, it's great. Almost... This way we can now cut the JC a lot quicker. And our focus groups told us that the viewers want more JC. Um, less of me, more JC. So mm. we're, we're fine with that. Well, he's yes. the only one in the focus group, so it makes sense. That was JC. When Charm's on the toilet <laughs> looking so at the deep. show. I said, give them what they want. <laughs> yep. Charm's on the toilet looking at the show. We really need more JC. Yeah. This is what we need. But we have to lose someone. Yeah. Who sh- oh, okay. We'll do that then, shall we? <laughs> oh. Craig's here from Vancouver. Hey, Craig. 
How you doing? I, I, if I had more hard wood, I don't think I'd be on this show. <laughs> <laughs> be in the big screen somewhere, though, wouldn't you? Snaps for force. Oh, would I ever? You'd be in a movie, wouldn't you? Oh, a few. <laughs> Coming soon. Quick. Last week, last week you, you weren't looking so well when you didn't show up for for Freddy Prime, the podcast, and one sucker. But no, you look great. So 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 welcome. Thank you for joining us. Pleasure. <laughs> well, listen, great show today, everyone. Great show. We're going to talk some Chelsea. We're going to. Why are you laughing? At Forrest. Why? Because he's very funny. He is very amusing. Now, very now amusing. I'm just Pleasure is the name of his new movie coming out this fall. <laughs> <laughs> Pleasure with the Redwood. <laughs> Big Red. I'm also wondering if he's wearing pants after all that. There's no chance. There's, do you have, what are you wearing? Just, just this jersey? And just, black socks. <laughs> And sandals. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking to Chelsea today to get back on rails here. Um, we have a, a, another Hall of Famer, by the way, joining us later in today's show. Very exciting. We'll talk some Canadian soccer. Um, is Canada a soccer nation? That kind of conversation. Very polarizing, but it's what people want us to talk about. Um, but to start with, already in the first two episodes, we've learned a lot about dubs, a lot about Craig. Now we're going to learn a lot about this dude beside me, Jimmy Brennan. Mm -hmm. Getting to know Jimmy mm -hmm. is a segment. Don't look so nervous. Can't wait. Apparently there is more than meets the eye. <laughs> <laughs> Which eye are we talking oh, about here? Shallow as a puddle. It's a lot better. It is improving actually, yeah. yeah. Nice. It's, it's nicer. Still not great. Um, okay, first question. Uh, Jimmy played for a number of teams in his storied career. Bristol City, Nottingham Forest, Southampton, Norwich, um, Toronto FC, of course, Canada, naturally. Um, which team did Jimmy play the most games with? Nottingham Forest. Forest knows his old mate, Gagnon. Jimmy Brennan. Yeah. Do you know how many games he played, approximately? 140-something. <laughs> <laughs> can't believe you almost got that right, Craig. <laughs> it's as if it's the second time we're doing this, isn't it? Uh, Jimmy, do you have any idea? Uh, 146? Yes! <laughs> wow. How many caps, international caps, did you have? Just because I was thinking Canada, too. 49, 50. 49. Was it 49? 49. Wow. Just short of the 50. What happened? He freaked I out. Pulled, uh, no. You freaked out on a coach. I did that once. So. <laughs> is that the reason why yeah. it was just no, 49? And then I, I apologized after for my behavior because I was, I was wrong. But I had... The gold cup I pulled out of, and a couple of other, I think, qualifying games that I had to pull out of when I was at Toronto FC, um, just because we had so many games, and I was getting to the oh. point where I was like, look, I can't leave the club right now, and I didn't go to the, one of the gold cups. Hmm. Did that make the, the coach's job Otherwise, easier? I would have had more caps. What's that? Yeah, did that make the, the coach's job easier when you said, sorry, sorry, Gaff, I can't make this window before he called you up? He was probably thinking, this guy doesn't know, but he was going to be on the bench. <laughs> he wasn't so you've done me a massive favor. not so. invited at all. <laughs> <laughs> was that under, which coach though was that? Who ended your career? Was it Stephen? No, nah, Hardy. Hardy. Yeah, we had a couple of conversations about it. Just a bit of banter where he was like, I called you up, you didn't come. And I was like, I know. I was focused on uh, club football then mm -hmm. with Toronto FC. Trying to help, obviously, it didn't work, but whatever. <laughs> you got six goals, though, Jimmy. International, yeah. That's not bad. Was it six goals? I thought it was seven. No, it was just allowed, that one. 
No, that was the one against Austria when uh, I scored and then I took another shot and then it came off of uh, Marco Vretta's ass and he claimed it. <laughs> was your shot on target? No, he was going in. <laughs> he turns and right off his ass cheek, straight in the net. He, he'd give her one of these. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. I was off celebrating. I seen him. I was like, "That's amazing, though." An ass deflection. Yeah, I was like, "I think he's going to claim this." And I, he did. I scored one in college, but it was like a blocked clearance. I went off my ass and right in. On goal? No, no. Oh, real goal. <laughs> real goal. <laughs> they all count, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, you can see yeah. grandkids years later that it was a thirty-five-yard scream at top corner when, in fact, it came off your ass. Mm -hmm. It was a cheeky right? finish. Yeah. Cheeky finish. Yes. <laughs> well, if um, you look, at, if you look at the stats, it just tells you the goals. It doesn't yeah. say how you scored them. Maybe they should give like some subjective mark. In, in the case of a draw, you should get more points for mm. the better quality of goal. Mm. That's how you improve the game. What right? was your? Yeah, we what, need more subjectivity. What yes. was your international? <laughs> yes. Your international goal that you remember? What was what was that? Because you scored six. International, uh, probably against Jamaica. We we beat Jamaica in Toronto at varsity. I scored scored the game win winner. Went for a little run. <laughs> Had a nice little shot, another one in the corner. Good for you. Probably be that. Did you use the move? Yeah, dropped it both shoulders. Yeah. Did the move twice. In the celly? Yeah. Yeah. Hogoroshi, you see, referred to Jimmy as the move. That was his nickname for, for the, the move he did oh. every single time he got the ball out wide in the left. But it turned out. Oh, I it, thought it, it was off the pitch. It was, it was on the pitch. <laughs> yeah, no, it was on the pitch. Oh. I told yes. you I'm not a bad dancer. You, you keep saying this, but we haven't no, seen that. Show us the move. Let's see it. Dancer for money. Can't show you right now. Private dancer. Don't get me going. The dancer Don't get me for going. money. <laughs> we are in club footy prime cuts, so. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Dance if you want to well, make some tips tonight. Dubs has been promising us an interpretive mm. dance at some point. If, if yep. the conversation gets too slow today, she'll just jump up on this table maybe and do us a little. She didn't say anything about going on the table. table. I'm saying that. I said nothing about going on the table. We'll drop into her. Next question, Jimmy. Uh, in 1999, Jimmy was the first Canadian player to do this. Do you know what it was? Easy. Don't be saying To it. do the move. Stupid. Not the move. No. Not the move. Nope. Um, 1999. Canada Customs no. involved? Nope. Nope. I think <laughs> to get transferred for more than a million pounds. Someone's read Jimmy's Wikipedia page, apparently. Yes, the first Canadian ever to move for over a million pounds. 1.5 from Bristol City to Forest. Bit of pressure on your shoulders back in then. Yeah, there was. There was. You just, couldn't believe, you just couldn't believe that somebody paid something for you. <laughs> it's been smashed since then a number of times. Yeah. For what that's worth. I think Fonzie may have cost a little bit more moving to, to Bayern Munich. But not by much. Not by much. Um, final question. Uh, whilst on international duty once with Canada, Jimmy bought something to terrify his Canadian teammate. Mm. What did he buy? I know you guys all know this. It's one of those gimme questions, because it's a great story. No, I don't know if it's, there's two different snakes. I know it's a snake. <laughs> two different snakes? But no, I'm just thinking, is it, was it a python or a boa constrictor? It was an eight foot boa constrictor. There you go. <laughs> eight feet? Eight feet, this thing was massive. Can, can I had you, a good wrestle with it. Can you give us a story like, in like less than 90 seconds? Oh. Well, a few of the players were taking the piss out of me. It was like Paul Solteri, Jason Bent, a few other guys. And uh, I had enough. 
and I went to the uh, went to the mall with Mark Burcham. Mark Burcham was on crutches at the time. As one I does. ended up having her. <laughs> yeah. And we went to the pet store. We're looking around, <coughs> thinking maybe we get fish or a couple of mice, put it in their beds, figure it out. And then all of a sudden, I'm, I'm wheeling Mark Burcham. And there's this aquarium. And I look, and I wheel him back. Mm-hmm. And we both look, and we're, what'd you think? He's like, let's do it. So I call the guy over. I said, see this snake? He goes, yeah. I said, I want it. He goes, okay, do you got an aquarium? I said, I've got everything. You should see it. It's like, <laughs> it's like a rainforest at home, my aquarium. It's beautiful. Like anything could live in this thing. He goes, oh, that's amazing. He goes, you have a passion for snakes? I was like, absolutely. I love these things. What kind is this? And he goes, bulk constrictor. So I was like, I'm taking it. Give me it. So anyways, he puts it in this big box. And then I asked the question. I was like, has this thing eaten? And he goes, yeah, I ate two days ago. I said, when does it need to eat again? And he's like, I thought you knew all about it. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm just curious to, to know. And he goes, okay, well, he goes, it won't need to eat for another week. So I was like, all right, we'll take it, 200 bucks, I think it was. I'm wheeling him out, get back in the taxi, and then we get to the hotel. I've got this big box, I knock on the door, the boys are in there playing cards. And as they open the door, I throw the snake in. Now, you've never heard a bunch of guys scream <laughs> like this in your life. And now we're on the second or third floor, so they're not going out the window. I pull the door, someone's brave enough to jump over the snake, try to get out. They're not getting out, because me and Bertie are holding the, the door. They got no chance of getting out. They are screaming, going nuts. <laughs> About five minutes later, the security guard comes up, and he goes, uh, he goes, listen guys, there's a bit of commotion. He goes, I know something's going on. He goes, uh, but I heard there's a snake in there. I said, snake? I said, what are you, lost your mind? I said, who's gonna put a snake in there? He goes, I've gotta go in and have a look. I said, yeah, okay, go have a look. He opens up the door, he's like, there's an effing snake in there. There's a snake in here. I mean, yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> he goes like this. I think it was Jason Ben yells. He goes, hey, are you security? He goes, yeah. He goes, get this snake out. He goes, piss off. He closed the door and he walked off. <laughs> so needless to say, I had to go back in there and get it. And I had a good wrestle with it, me and Mark Bertrand. <laughs> How much did, did the prank cost you? you? How did much did the, I, I swear my life. You should have seen us trying to get this thing back in the, in the box. It was unbelievable. And these things, it's like grabbing someone's thigh. Well, yeah, it's an eight-foot book. His head was massive. <laughs> so I'm on it. And it, all we kept on going back to was, like, documentaries that you watch, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. when people out in the bush or those guys in the Florida Everglades when they just jump on these snakes. And I was like, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Like, okay, you grab the tail. I'm going for the head. And then I was like, okay, I'll get the tail. You go to the head now. <laughs> We're trying to figure it out. Eventually, we got it, put it back in the box. And we, we brought it back to the store. And I said it was too big for my aquarium when I met the guy, when I told him again. I think he gave me uh, 170 bucks back, so it cost me about maybe 30 bucks for the prank. Good. Well worth it. Well worth it. Well worth it. You just needed, like, David Attenborough, like, narrating the whole thing, right? That would have been great. I wish wish there was a camera in that room. You would have died watching the two of us try to get this thing. You can see Peta getting involved here, right, in just this massive scandal around Canadian soccer. These, These animals abusing this beautiful incredible specimen of a snake. placed it in softly. Softly, yeah, yeah. I was very gentle with it. A band of brothers. But now you know a little bit more about Jimmy Brennan, I suppose, right? All the, the viewers out there. The million Great and a footballer. half transfer. Yeah. Very impressive. Yeah. Did yeah. you feel like a target on your back a little bit when you had that? A little bit, because, you, you know, people, they're paying good money for you at that time. Yeah. Back in 99, I was 20 years old. And you've got to perform to show your worth. And, I mean, fortunately enough, I mean, I, I played over what was it, 146 games, so I hope they got their money worth. Well, let me ask you this. Okay, this is interesting because you were 20 at the time, and yeah. then back then it was, it was a lot of money. Um, young players adapt differently to, to big contracts and big signings. Chelsea, which is becoming, I think, maybe the big story in European football right now, 
Um, they spent over a billion dollars the last year with this new American owner who's trying to reinvent the way football clubs are built. Big, long contracts, bring the kids in, develop them. It's a big picture. You get a great coach in there. But they've been really poor. They lose again this past weekend in the Premier League. They've got five goals in six games. Their worst start since 1978. It just isn't working, Craig. Um, mm. Is it a lack of veterans in there, do you think? I mean, right now, you look at this 11 from the weekend, Thiago Silva, Raheem Sterling. Apart from that, a bunch of kids who, who at this point are real no-names but cost a lot of money. I mean, mm. that's a lot of pressure to put on a lot of very young players, isn't it? It is a lot of pressure. And just because the price tag goes on those players doesn't necessarily mean they're at that standard. And I think that's been the problem. Recruiting for Chelsea has obviously been a massive problem because the money isn't an issue because they've got lots to spend, but how they're spending it and just throwing players at uh, the, the managers, whoever that is. This time around, it's Pochettino. Now he's trying to figure all this out. They have no goal-scoring threat, and they spent over a billion pounds. Uh, Mudrick has other things on his mind mentally physically as well i think he's one to stick with uh i think he could be the answer in the future but i'm not sure at the moment that he is but it's just interesting how they they're going a couple of games at home haven't scored and they just lack a lot of things especially a goal threat and that's been a massive problem so it's it'll be interesting how they turn this thing around but they'll get it right eventually the teams with money will always be a contender but not always a winner I mean, right now they're down in 14th at the table, Dubs. Yeah. Um, do, you, do you trust the process in this case? Because it's a brand new process that I, I love, you know, managers or owners that come into a new league and think they can just reinvent it and they've got it all figured out. Um, if you look at social media right now, Chelsea fans are losing their you-know-what. Mm -hmm. They're not happy about this one bit. They're really upset. Do you trust the process? It's a big play here, not like something macro? I think I do, looking at it. I, do the Chelsea fans? I don't think they do. And to hear Pochettino talking about uh, fans and people accepting that it's a project, I don't think they're on board with that. And uh, also to hear him, his, his frustration with, it's Jackson, right, the number nine, um, talking to him in training, pulling him aside, and maybe that sort of speaks volumes about, about the youth mm. and saying, listen, you have to stop taking these cheap yellow cards. And then what does he do? He goes out, takes a cheap yellow card, so he's going to miss the next game. And that's even before, you know, the tackle and the sending off. So I think it's about the, the buy-in that he's going to get from the youth. I think it'll come. Um, and if you look at the underlying numbers, I know Michael Cox had an article that you scoffed at a little bit, but that, you know, even though they only have the, the, the lone win, right, in the six games, mm -hmm. I think that they will come into something because it looks like the, you know, it'll prove to be more fruitful in terms of results. Um, but do they have a proven goal-scoring threat? Like Craig was saying, I'm not sure that they do, so it's, it's a bit iffy there. I don't think the fans are that patient. Could you imagine sure. being the owner of this club, spending a billion pounds, and the fans still don't like you? Yeah, no kidding. Like, well, what you, you don't doing? get what you need, and that's a goal-scorer. You don't do that. How can you spend a billion and forget to get the goal-scorer? Well, this is part of the process. Jimmy, you were about to say something, but Amy was talking about the process. Dave Starkey, one of our Footy Prime Supporters Club, said, I, don't, I have not bought into this process. So what are we missing? Like, why are you buying in? Why are, you know, why is Amy buying in? Why, what should they be telling Chelsea fans right now? Because with a billion dollars spent, what are, we, what are they doing? Well, it's hard to win a championship with a young team. You can get them to play off, so if you know what I mean. But <laughs> <laughs> that was subtle, Jimmy. 
<laughs> it wasn't but, a, a York but, reference, though, no, was there? No, not at all. Okay. But look, it, it, it is a process. You're spending a lot of money on these on these young players, hoping that they develop and then they perform. So you could say, okay, this might be a three-year process or five-year process, but. What if, that, that means, let's be realistic, you're not going to get Champions League football, you're not going to be competing for the Premier League, but you're hoping that in three to five years you are. Now, in three to five years, when these players get enough experience under the belt, then if you don't get into Champions League, if you don't win a championship, that's all gone to waste now. It's all gone to waste. Now, that process with a smaller club, yeah, I can say, I can agree with that. Say, so, yeah, no problem. But for, for Chelsea to be doing this now? No. Come on. You're supposed to be competing every single year for, uh, for the Premier League. You're supposed to be in the Champions League trying to get into it every single year. Not playing this card now where we're going to develop all these young guys and we're going to have a process for the next three years and hopefully mm -hmm. then we get into something. But Although, so go ahead. I was going to say, do you think that's where the frustration lies is that you have the, the ownership's vision, you have the coaching vision, you have the player vision or like the team and then the fan base and none of it is really aligned. No. So no, you're right, you're right. I will say this though, back in the mid-90s, um, Alan Hansen, a famous pundit, one of the greatest uh, Premier League players in, in, in history, once said, you can't win anything with kids, in reference to Manchester United yeah. uh, and the class of 92. And what happened? They won the Premier League that year. Mm. But they had some veterans they in that veterans. lineup as well. They yeah, had you veterans. had Beckham and, and Scholes and the Nevilles and Nicky Butt. Yeah, you had them. But you also had some, some real old campaigners, right, who yeah. taught them how to win as well. This is brand new. This 11 from the weekend, for example, right? So Axel Dizazi, uh, Malagusto was sent off. Uh, Silva I mentioned, legend, I get that. Levi Colwell, um, Casado, Conor Gallagher, uh, Enzo Fernandez. Mm -hmm. Two wins, two wins is arriving in January for Enzo with Chelsea. Um, Mudrik, these are great young players, but, but where is the, where's the name value? And it's, I know there's more to football than just name value. I, I understand that. Look at Brighton, for example. But these are the wrong names. You know? Off the bench, Ben Chilwell, okay, a, a veteran. I get that. Yeah. Uh, Uga Chukwu, right? A young player. Cole Palmer is going to be really good one day. You know, Amania Broja. This is Chelsea Football Club, right? Yeah. We used to, the last, under Roman Abramovich, went out each year and plucked the biggest names who, who have proven themselves. Yeah. And they won because of it. Now, they also bled money. In fairness, right? Yeah. Yeah. They were bleeding money under yeah. Roman Abramovich. Now in comes Todd Bowley, and he's trying to get it a bit more sustainable off the pitch financially. But on the pitch, I don't know if it is sustainable. No, but the, the difference between Man United when they did it, and they were playing with the, with the younger players, and the players today, these are all bought. These are bought, these players. The Man United players all came through the youth system. Yeah. And they, they grew up together. They played together for a long time and eventually got into the first team. They knew everything about each other. These guys, they, they don't know each other at all. It's completely different. I think it does show you that, you know, when you look at Pep and Man City, that money, everybody's like, oh, well, Pep's got all this money. Of course, he's going to be a, a successful manager. But it shows you that it's not that easy to be successful over and over. And money doesn't always guarantee you that. It just shows you how brilliant he's been and how Man City have done with their buying and recruiting of players and picking the best players, of course. But it doesn't always guarantee. It just shows you how well they are run as an operation in Man City. And Pep is the, obviously at the helm of that. Yeah, they are. Now, it does help, though, like you said there, when you can spend whatever you want. And when you have the greatest manager of the modern era, you know, um, it does help, of course. It's interesting. I mean, it's not that easy, is it? You know, just reinventing the way 
you perceive a sport or a sport is run. Um, what, is, what is a soccer nation, for example, right? We, we think England's a soccer nation, right? I think they probably are, given mm -hmm. that they apparently invented the game, right? But they do a lot of things wrong as well, especially at the FA. Look at Canada right now, yeah. right? Uh, it's a gong show. The CSA is a gong show. Now, they're trying to write the ship here slowly, very slowly, um, but it's a conversation that just extends so far beyond what's happening on the pitch, but off the pitch as well. So it's probably a good time now to bring in our, our guest, um, Carmelina Moscato, the best name in football as well, I, I should say. Can you say, can you say that no, last I, time again? Uh, Moscato. I, I, I think I said it, I think I said go, it the go first say it time. Again. Moscato. <laughs> <laughs> she, is, she is so well-traveled, right, in, in football, and she is one of the 2023 inductees in the Canadian Soccer Hall of Fame with Richard Hastings, will be honored at the match on Tuesday at BMO Field, Canada against Jamaica. Um, joins us. Khan, thanks so much for joining Footy Prime. Episode three, still on the airwaves for some reason. Um, <laughs> a, a real easy, first of all, congratulations, by the way, for what is a big week for you uh, in the Hall of Fame, but a nice easy one off the top, all right? <laughs> Is Canada a soccer nation? Is it even a sports nation? Well, <laughs> I would have said yes. I would have said yes, home run, 2026 on its way. And then I hear some Toronto citizens don't want to have the World Cup here because of the taxpayers' money and things like that. So when you're talking about a city not wanting to host a World Cup, especially a men's World Cup and a women's, I mean, that... That really changed my mind. So I hope they can uh, prove us wrong uh, tomorrow at BMO. Interesting. Carm, um, we, put a, we put a poll up last night on Footy Prime uh, on our Twitter. And basically we asked, is Canada a soccer nation? And to your point, 34% said yes. And... 57 to close to 60% said no. It's changed now, actually. Oh, it's updated, changed. Actually. There's, more, there's, there's fewer no's than there were before. Well, but how does, I guess, what does Canada becoming a soccer nation look like? To, and that's a question for you, Karen, but I think for Jimmy and Amy, I think that's a really important one, too. Who's going to start? <laughs> You're the guest right now. <laughs> Okay. All right. Um, I'll give it a go. Um, you know, there's some obvious low hanging fruit. I mean, I don't want to get into anything too deep and political and why we can't do things, but I think hosting more often, I don't, I don't think when you can, you can't even see your home nation play um, too often. I mean, I think that that causes a lot of issues. And then with regards to, for example, women's football, where do people start to fall in love with that? Genuinely, you know, where do you start to actually see these hometown heroes? Can we start to play uh, on one soccer or otherwise, some more leagues, you know, it's just that exposure. I think we have to start there just to, to kind of get those casual fans and the diehards are always going to show up. Like I'm super happy to hear 28,000 people will be there tomorrow night. I mean, that's, that's amazing. Uh, I think we continue to see that on the one-off events, but until we get to see it more and it's more in your face a bit in the, in the best possible way, I think it's going to be challenging. I agree with that. I agree with Carmen. I think far too often, and from my experience, just coming back playing with the national team, and I, I remember I'd be in the hotel and I'd, I'd go home to see my parents and I'd see a couple of friends and they'd be asking me, why, why are you home? I'd be like, because I'm playing with the national team in two days. Nobody knew about all the games that were happening. The advertising was, was terrible. And then also, we need more games in this country, but not just the, the men's and women's first teams. 
the U-17s, you yeah. never see them playing in their own backyard. You never see the under-20s playing or the Olympic team that are qualifying, playing friendlies. Like, we never see any of the youth teams play, which is crazy. It blows my mind. And that's all part of creating awareness, watching the, the youth. Then all of a sudden you go watch the U-20s, U-17s, and now they're in the first team. So now you can relate to these kids because you've been watching them go through their path. Mm -hmm. but, but do you think the fan base is here to support those games? I'm, I'm, I'm really curious. I mean, like you said, Calm, there's hardcore fans been around for years, right? And, and you know, in, in the world that we operate, we, we live and breathe with these fans. So I think we get a skewed vision. We've met them. Of Canada. We're friends with them almost, yeah. right? Like, but, but our lens is skewed, yeah. I think. Yeah. Compared to a proper football nation where, where everyone's watching these games and care about these games. That being said, you go to a real football nation, they're not all coming out in mass to watch under-17s play. No, but they've good crowds. And there's, a, and there's awareness there's for it. There's good crowds. There's awareness, I think for that sure. as Canadians, we have a little bit of an inferiority complex that we don't think we can be builders ourselves. So it's the North American model is predicated upon developing U.S. and then Canada piggybacks on yeah. it. And then we're a Commonwealth country, so we look to Britain and we look to see what they're doing in terms of their footballing nation and their communities and that footballing culture. What makes us uniquely Canadian and how does that transfer, translate into being a footballing nation? I think you have to ask fans what that means to them. You have to ask pundits. You have to ask former players. And I mean, part of it's infrastructure. Part of it's investment in sport. Part of it is having, we have one domestic league. We need domestic leagues. Yeah. So Diana Matheson took a former player to come and do it. That's coming. But then it's like the, the, the support around that, how that galvanizes the grassroots, but then propels it even beyond and makes it successful and keeps it in the zeitgeist. Because right now it's, it's these one-offs, like Carm saying, like, BMO sold out tomorrow, awesome. And then what happens after that? There, there's no follow-up. You need that continuous momentum, that continual cycle yeah. to, to really establish ourselves as a footballing nation. I think we're, we're a long way off. Yeah, we are. But then... I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, it's the most participated sport in this country, yep. by far, mm -hmm. by a country mile, right? So the, the interest is there. People love the, love the game, but just getting to that next level, supporting the national teams is completely different. That's where we kind of yeah. lose them, don't we? No, you're right. Um, and I, I think when we talk about professionalizing, you know, any sport, let's, we'll stick to soccer. But I mean, you, you want to start to feel that narrative and that bit of momentum, like Amy said, towards investment. So if you know, for example, if they're building facilities in Vaughan <laughs> and you start to see that that's, uh, you know, there's investment, there's a national training center coming, um, we're hosting events, we're building leagues, you know, these are all very, very positive things. But at the end of the day, I also think Canada soccer, you know, there's a bit of turmoil around federations right now. And unfortunately, we're part of that. And I think it's part of a branding concern. You know, is the sport in a good place? Is it healthy? You know, a lot of parents, I listen to a thousand narratives a day, people touching base and saying, you know, hey, is there a future for my daughter in this country or in this sport? And or can she become a coach as well? Or how do we do all these things? There's a lot of lost uh, maybe people in the sense of how do we engage with this sport from you know four years old all the way from that house league you mentioned a lot of participation but how do i see this through even my own niece you know what what's my future here uh auntie carm like and i'm thinking you're gonna have to leave and be extremely uncomfortable for about 20 years <laughs> before your career, uh, for yourself and everyone's like how do you get into coaching i was like i don't know i struggled for a long time and it, is that inspiring no, um, crazy enough to have accepted the salaries I have and just took off. You know, like if there's no pathway, you got to forge it yourself. Uh 
Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Um, and got to be crazy enough to do it, and that shouldn't be the case. But that is coming right slowly, right? Project 8 obviously is, is massive, it's really important. The CPL is extremely important as well. But you have to have very patient owners with deep pockets prepared to, to bleed money for, for a long time. Do you think, as a country, we, we are prepared for that and to stick it out for the long run? Because CPL has got some great stories, but some other clubs aren't doing so well. The people aren't coming yeah. out to support it on a regular basis like they should and like we, perhaps we, we thought they would. Right. I, I, like anything else, I think even with my coaching philosophy, leadership philosophy, it is one day at a time and you have to start. You know, you have to you have to put it out there and you have to build because even being in Mexico, for example, I happened to be there in their sixth year of existence. And was it perfect? No. Does it look like a million bucks? A hundred percent. Like they figured out a few things with regards to commercial marketing. They are bringing in sponsorships. Um, is the sporting side highly developed? I think it has a ways to go. But they're started, they're in it, they're doing it, they're investing in it. And I think that's the key. Every year it changes. You know, NWSL, for example, 11th year, they're doubling the salary cap next year. I mean, this is mass, these are massive developments that, you know, I find that Canada, um, again, we have to start, we have to meet the sport where it's at, but we can't expect it to be shiny and amazing in year one. And that that shouldn't be the expectation. Everything should have its due course to grow. Um, but that's why I'm so proud of Dee and her crew because, I mean, they're starting and, and that's all we can ask for at this point, to join the race. I, I just wonder, I mean, is there private money, enough private money in this country right now for, for men and women? I mean, I, I, regardless of whom it is, it's easy to point fingers right now at the CSA, CSB. We get Everyone does that. Um, I think it's way more nuanced perhaps than a lot of people think. Um, but is the money even there at this point from private business in Canada to, to, to fund this program? Because if we're hoping that it's going to come from the, fe- the federals, it ain't going to happen, right? Are, are you confident yeah, it's, it's there? Yeah, I am confident it's there. I think if they can get to their sort of milestones with regards to minimum teams, people are going to want to dive into this thing. It's like anything else. You, they're not, there's not a lot of first movers. I think that's different. But I think the second it begins and people can see a great product with the minimum teams, uh, you're going to start to see more interest. I just think people are hesitant because it's never been done. All right, to the, to the real positive stuff. Uh, this week for you, Calm, uh, you know, what a career you had. Post-playing, um, you've been involved, like I mentioned, in Australia. You've been involved in, in Mexico, uh, Nobleton, Ontario, you know. <laughs> Some of these things are not like others. <laughs> but, I mean, is it, is it a week where you just sit back and, and look back on your career and say, wow, that, that was really something? Or, I mean, tell me how you feel. How are the emotions? Yeah, I feel, I feel extremely proud. I mean, you know, I, I'm one of those people that don't ever feel like 
a job is so much more to be done. And I, I guess it's coming off of the back of like a Megan Rapino retirement yesterday. And I'm not even putting myself in the same category. But what I'm saying is, I mean, leaving this sport better than we found it is such a lifelong job. So for me at 39, you know, just basically beginning my coaching career, I just see the journey as so rich and so much more to do. And it's great to pause and acknowledge and share this moment with Canadians and everything else. But at the end of the day, it's it, there's a lot of work to be done. And that, that's really what I see. And I don't know if that makes me uh, successful or crazy or somewhere in between. But yeah, um, it is a beautiful moment. And I'm just glad my family can be there and I'll be amongst uh, Canadian fans for the first time in a very long time. Hopefully 28,000 Canadian fans, hopefully. You know, I know Jamaica's got some support. <laughs> Yeah. But regardless, it should be a, a great event. Uh, Dubs, do you have any memories of, of playing with, with Carmen? I mean, well, had you retired so many years prior that you I can't did. Remember? Yeah, no, Carmen and I didn't play together that often. Carmen was this young upstart player coming up from the U20 program, and I was actually unceremoniously on my way out. <laughs> didn't take my spot or anything. Unceremoniously. But yeah, it was kind of the, like where I hurt my knee and then I wasn't back in the program for a bit. But then, and Carm, you had, you had a period as well where you were with the team and then you were gone for a bit and then back again. So does that make you appreciate your, your career a little bit more? I mean, going into the Hall of Fame and that you're able to sort of ride out those ebbs and flows? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I had three retirements, you know, one <laughs> by... Not by choice. I don't even know. Again, I was like, I missed the full quadrennial, you know, cheers. And then came back, um, gave it a go and was no guarantees that was going to work out. And then John retired me basically after the Olympics. I'll call it mutual, but kind of one-sided. And then, <laughs> wait a minute. Wait, dig into that a little bit. Yeah, suck it, her conversation. Suck it. That's that a conversation. Uh, no, like I, it was funny because I had come back from, you know, Evan Pellerud had moved on. Uh, Carolina Maracci had come. And I, I mean, listen, I was with my mom writing emails in Italian. I would have done anything to get a, 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 you know, a tryout. So I was like, she's like, I have no idea who you are. Um, Mi piace. Mi piace, perfecto. No, but, you know, she was basically had no idea who I was. Uh, I was coaching at Louisville at the time. So she just basically said, if you have any interest, uh, any, <laughs> any, any chance getting yourself on a football team? And I was like, okay, let me do that first. So I quit my job um, with no guarantees. I put myself on a, a W League team, uh, got a tryout. I put myself on Robin Gale and Charolta Nonin's team in Indiana. Uh, she came to that match. I got a tryout and it added seven years to my career, which was crazy. It was a high risk, high reward situation. And so that worked out, I guess. And then after the Olympics where I wasn't really slotted to play too many games and then everybody in the world got injured, um, I had to play every single minute of every game, which was definitely not the plan. And um, as we stood on the bronze, you know, John and I had a great conversation and he just said, you know, listen, thank you for your service. <laughs> You've done great. And I wish you nothing but the best. And I said, cheers. I mean, like what are you supposed to say like it was felt like my time uh, it wasn't that great a conversation was it as he put on the bronze medal as he gave you the bronze medal he said f off <laughs> just a little whisper you're out you're done basically i mean in a nutshell and then i went to go coach again in the ncaa that was always my second love coaching and and then all of a sudden, you know, they had done their uh, pre or sorry, post tournament um, analysis. And he had said, look, uh, based on some of the subjective and objective information, we want to have you for the next quadrennial and uh, maybe in a different capacity. But we definitely want to have you uh, with us. And uh, I was like, 
wow, okay, well, I just moved into a new apartment here in Madison, Wisconsin. Let me sort this out because this moment will never come back. And then, yeah, retired after the Home World Cup before Rio. Um, again, very much the right time to do that and new generation and all that good stuff. So yeah, that's how it, that's how it ended. And my coaching journey really started in 2016. So, so when you, when you let players go now as a coach, do you take anything from that experience and how you handle it? High level honesty. (laughs) I mean, you have to be, you have to be, yes. And hard conversations don't get much easier when you're dealing with people's lives, but yeah, no, I'm, I haven't always been great, but I'm learning how to deliver those messages. Yes. Right. So you don't tell them they stink anymore. <laughs> no, no, not not directly. Indirectly. <laughs> That's in the email. Yeah. In Italian. Well, calm. Listen, great, great chat. Um, congratulations <laughs> on what is a, a great week for you, obviously, and for Canadian football as well. Yourself and and Richard Hastings. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. Appreciate okay. you having me. Thanks, Carl. Carm, that was Charms telling you to F off. So yeah. you should feel used to it. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> so please make sure if you get a chance, get down to BMO Field on Tuesday. Canada, Jamaica, um, a huge game for Canada as they look for Olympic qualification. Something they should do given the first leg. As we welcome back Craig Forrest to the show. Craig, you, you heard that. Um, I know you've got a lot of opinions about Canada as a soccer nation. I know where you want it to be. How far away are we from being, do you think, a, a real soccer nation? I'm going to go for a tea before he starts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, where do I start? Well, first of all, with Carm, I'd like to comment a bit about her. She's one of the great soccer minds in our country. She's been fantastic, and she's hungry. She's ambitious. You see how she got herself into the team, how she did take those high-risk opportunities. She's done that as a coach. She went to Europe. She's been in Mexico. A lot of our great minds have really been doing well outside the country, and it'd be nice to bring some of these people home. We look at the males that have done well in the United States, Mark Watson's general manager of Minnesota, Frankie Yallop was LA Galaxy's manager, San Jose winning manager in MLS, brought David Beckham over, Pat Onstad's general manager of Houston, Mike Sweeney's part of US club soccer. These are all great minds that should be doing some work here in Canada, but unfortunately we don't have those opportunities. So that's one thing uh, from the the actual standpoint of being a soccer nation, I mean, being one that spent just about 20 years outside of Canada uh, and then coming back, I've never seen a country fight against a sport like they do here. There's a lot of other things that are very protected in this country. I mean, you go to mainstream media, uh, Rogers and Bell, and they're going to give you everything that they have investment into. And that'll be the NHL, the NHL, and Major League Baseball, some basketball, and then if you're going to look for soccer on any other websites, you have to dig really, really deep. So we're not going to get any help from them, and that's that's fine. So we have to do some promoting on ourselves. The Canadian Soccer Association has to do that. They don't have the money to do that, but they're trying their best to try to promote some of these Canadian players and get some exposure for our national teams and our programs. The national team is also different than club football. We don't have a culture in this country to go support local club football in Canada. So that's going to take some time to grow that and investment into that as we've seen with the Canadian Premier League. We'll see it with Project 8, but it'll be a slow build, but I certainly think we're we're capable of doing it, but we have to realize that there are stumbling blocks and hurdles for us in this country to be able to get up, get beyond it, and we need to start stop fighting each other because the sport really does, I find, feed on itself and end up being its worst enemy um, when you're trying to put things forward and, and get ahead. It's been very, very difficult for our sport. 
Yeah, the infighting is so obvious. Even Huge. right now, with the labor issues, it's just so frustrating. And even from the, uh, the proletariat out there. Yeah, it's talking, funny. There's so many divisive, divisive opinions. You know, the, when we did our poll, we asked for comments, and Ryan at BMB, our man, 85, I guess he's about 35, 40 years old. I feel like Canada is a backseat soccer nation, if that makes any sense. The country potentially gets wild for things, but stays low in the off-seasons. Doesn't help can't, that Canada soccer has ripped any momentum they had qualifying for Men's World Cup by omitting, omitting September fixtures. But it just shows you that Canada soccer, and this is kind of what, a lot of it is marketing, a lot of it is communications, and it just shows how important that is to have a stable marketing and communications brand-oriented approach to building in Canada. And if you don't, Things fall apart quickly. You don't, I mean, we went to that Honduras match, Amy, Craig and I, we had a great time with the Voyagers. It was half full. How many times, why are there no uh, ticket allocations for all of the Ontario League One uh, kids divisions? Why are there, these, that doesn't make sense to me. So get people in the seats by communicating properly. Tell them when you're gonna play. Footy Prime, 7.30, one soccer. <laughs> Tell people when you're going to be on and don't, and don't worry about it sounding braggadocious. It is not. It is just having a conversation. I think there's a lot of misinformation out there as well. Right, let's be honest. There's a lot of great words there, by the way. Braggadocious? <laughs> braggadocious. Come on. How the hell did you get braggadocious? Well, I, 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 I went to <laughs> school for, for six years. I've got to look this up. Is it even a word? It is a word. <laughs> no, it's, it's not. not. Is it? it's there's not. no way it's a word. No way it's Braggadocious. Braggadocious. You're going to look me up. You're smarter than he looks. Um, braggado oh my god, it is a word. It no, is. Yeah. is it urban? Where do you think bragging you came from? Uh, praising yourself or speaking too proudly about your own achievements. What are we talking about? Yeah, of course it's a word. Well, I'm impressed, Wonga. You know what but else listen, is a word? Pussyfoot. Now I have yeah, to go to the word too. <laughs> and we don't pussyfoot around the topics on this show, right? No. Right. But there's Dive so right much in. information, misinformation out there as well. Yeah. Right? Um, there's no money in the game in this country. We, we know that. That's got to be adjusted. But, for example, the, the, the window that was just went by with no matches. Yeah. It wasn't down to financials. That was out there. That wasn't the reason. Right. right? Um, the organization couldn't happen in time. And Saudi Arabia was the team that Canada was supposed to play. I believe it's in James's Park. Right. And in the end, they couldn't wait any longer for Canada Soccer to figure this thing out and, and how to do it. What was the so, problem? I, I don't know, but in the end, Costa Rica popped up and said, we'll take that fixture. So, so it wasn't money. The money was there. Who couldn't figure it out? I, I don't know. Canada Soccer, look in the mirror, I guess. Okay, so, but the, the easy thing is, is to, to point it's fingers crazy. at people and organizations or pillars that are missing or where there's been missteps in terms of building this game, right? But how do we stop it from being so fractured at the club level, provincial level, national level, national teams, club game, pro game, and start to to galvanize the fan base, but also the, the soccer minds, like Kreger was talking about, into something meaningful so that we can take those strides towards becoming a soccer nation. What do we need to do? What's the first step? Is, is it just getting this labor situation sorted, getting the men talking to the women, agreeing, okay, we know that pay equity is gonna happen, whether you like it or not. And, and there are factions that want it to happen, and there are still factions that don't want it to happen in Canadian soccer. We know that, unfortunately, right? But getting that together and getting those deals signed, because right now we're looked upon from the rest of the world right now as being in complete turmoil because we are in complete turmoil. Mm -hmm. Is that the first step? 
I mean, I, I don't know. Right now, they've lawyered up. The men have lawyered up. We know what's happened there, right? It's going to take a long time. Craig's nodding because he knows this. You know, the, the, the lawyers are there for a reason to make money, and they're going to drag it out as long as possible. From what I understand, the women are pretty close to agreeing and being happy with the deal offered to them, right? It's, it's the men where the issue is at the moment. Where are you getting all this information? Um, Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> Wikipedia. But, but it's important, though, right? It's, it's important it absolutely know, is. Right? Something has to break here at some point. They have to move forward. Is that it, Craig? Is, is the CBA gets signed, will that make everything else just follow suit, or is that too simplistic? I think that's probably too simplistic. But, uh, you know, this, the Canadian soccer business situation is that they've got a contract. And I don't think that they're that willing to, to negotiate anything at the moment. They're in a hard contract and they're sitting in a decent spot. And it'll be interesting to see what happens down the, down the road as far as people's involvement because of CSB or lack of. Yeah, I don't know if that's the, the, the domino that falls and everything follows suit. I, don't, I really don't think so. I think that goes a long way towards, towards fixing that turmoil and that uncertainty that exists with our national teams and gives them a little bit more of a you mm -hmm. know, stronger foothold mm -hmm. so they can move forward, especially the women, um, which I, women's team has continually been undervalued and undermined, I think, throughout these negotiations. But it's, it's how you move, you move past it. Like I... There, can, there's a lot of egos, though, right? There, yes, but and can I, Canada soccer be be yeah. a proper federation? Can you know they've talked about bringing in a sporting director? I mean, I know they're being, absolutely being run on a shoestring budget, and Rian's talked about this before. Not just the amount of staff that they have in, but just in terms of how they're paid. If it's an NSO, can we get people in there for it's more of a volunteer position? Can they get paid? Can we treat it properly like a professional organization that it ought to be? Maybe that's the first step. I just think there's, there's too much, uh, it's very ego-driven. Nobody in this country, from grassroots all the way up to the, uh, the CSA, want to work with one another. Constantly, people are always uh, arguing, fighting, um, and it's wrong because we don't utilize people's best strengths here. Mm -hmm. and, it almost looks like, to me, with people that are in certain positions, whether it's the provincial body, regional body, national team body, they, they look at it as it's their baby, and then they're always looking over their shoulders, and they don't want to let people in. There's a lot of good footballing people in this country, ex-alumni or good people that love this game, want to help it, but aren't allowed to get in because it's there's people that are working in these positions right now that are so protective of what they got. Mm -hmm. And precious about their and own shit. Correct. And it's killing this game from the grassroots all the way up to the CSA. Did Amy say ship? Yeah. Okay. No, it's I just said making... shit. <laughs> but, that, but that's the way it is. In every single position. I'm telling you now, yeah. that is the problem. Because they don't let the good people in that want to actually help make this country better. The fans have to buy in as well, right? We know there's hardcore fans. We get all this, we discussed it already in this show, right? But um, come out and support your, your local CPL team. Watch the matches. When Project 8 launches, come out and support, support, support. Then the money will eventually come, right? Private Canada will realize that they need to invest as well as Craig disappears. Where'd Craig go? I don't know. He's that angry right now. <laughs> but, I mean, we see all the time on, the, on, on. On, on social media, we get, we get the most inane, stupid comments well, on a regular basis. Thank you, Sharms, for leading me into this. Uh, at Sunil Sanwaka, 5907, and this is on it from our, uh, our YouTube. I hope you guys don't suck up to one soccer and spend all kinds of time talk CPL. <laughs> so... The, what I would like to say to Sunil is, uh, 
Um, we won't <laughs> suck up. We won't suck down. Oh, what God. we will do is suck the appropriate amount. Yes. Because that's what we do well. We've been in the industry long enough <laughs> that we know exactly how long. That, that, that kind of comment, though, I'm sorry. I mean, it drives me crazy. It does. Right, Sunil, yeah. listen, maybe you're a Manchester United fan. There's more football in the world than the Premier League, all right? Mm -hmm. Grow it in this country. We'll cover Premier League, yep. English. We'll cover Bundesliga, Syria, internationals, Project 8, and Canadian Premier League because we want to grow the sport in this country, oh, right? Nice. And, and most people who get on their goddamn high horse and whine about the CPL have never watched a CPL game in their damn lives. They have no idea what to expect. It's pretty good. Well, great drama. to that point, Craig throwing out a Tristan Henry goal, right? Craig, save, like, save. Pardon? A save. Oh, save. sorry, save. A 70-yard save that was a save of, that you, five years ago, would not have been able to do. Correct? Five years what ago. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> not you as a player, but had, had CPL not been around, you could not be sharing well, tell you on what, social oh, media. Okay. If Tristan Henry was in the <laughs> Premier League, okay, no. okay, if you saw, if you saw yeah. that save in the Premier if that was Allison with that save, yeah. we'd see it around the world in every highlight reel. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Every highlight That's reel. That's my point. That's how good it was. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and it will get exposure. It has got an awful lot of exposure. And I, I was amazed because I saw it first put it up on social media. I, I wasn't watching the game. And then I saw this <laughs> potential save of the season and from 70 yards. And I was like, hold on a minute. And then I saw it. And I was like, yeah, they might be right. That might be save of the season. I've never seen anything that close from 70 yards out. Great effort. And Tristan Henry, his adjustment on his feet was absolutely brilliant. It was a really, really good save because he started at the top of the box. And that's a position he, he he's supposed to be in. But what an effort from that distance. What, what a ping. I haven't seen one like that since David Beckham against, I think it was Wimbledon back in the day. That's right. wonder if he dressed it up a little bit. I'm joking. I'm joking. No, was, <laughs> amazing <laughs> save. Um, all right. So yeah, we got to the serious move? stuff. Um, that was my the people really enjoyed last week. Right or Wong, this new segment. <laughs> Footy Pride they, they presents. Our focus group of JC, yeah. it was really good. <laughs> Where is JC anyway? He's, he's he still is. there in his little uh, speakeasy. Well, is it time then? Is it time to play sports television's number one game show? Yeah. Right or Wong? Rules are simple. We will ask our ex distinguished guests, if I can say that, uh, or our contestants, which will be James Sharman. Uh, Craig Forrest, Jimmy Brennan, and uh, champion Amy Walsh. Uh, each correct answer will get 50 points, and each wrong answer that gets passed to the other, that gets done, gets answered correctly, will get 25 points. Last Seems week, Amy clear, Walsh then. destroyed the competition. This week, I Damn. expect nothing left. Amy, Amy <laughs> won the trophy last yeah. week. Okay. So this is... This will be a weekly trophy. It's amazing how you quickly just, you know, change your attire. we got to make sure I'm dressed properly. Thing. Thank you, JC, and welcome, contestants. First question, James. Good to be here, Walker. <laughs> uh, which team put out a starting 11 made up entirely of British players last year? Last year? Yep. Oh, last year. Wait, I was in the beginning? In which 20, the 22-23 season. Yeah, it's last year. Yeah. Premier League. I, I remember this story. Yes. <laughs> Five seconds. Oh. The, 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 the story is not the correct answer. Lester. Jimmy? Nope. Craig? Uh, I'm still thinking. Frank. Time. Amy? Just name any team? 
Name a team. Uh, Don't look at that computer. I'm not. That's got to be five seconds. Okay. Yeah. So, All right. So the team is, and Jeff, Jimmy, you should have known this. Southampton. No, nope, Nottingham Forest. Oh. Oh, yeah. The Forest team against Tottenham in August featured eight players from England. Right. Eight. eight? You said, I thought you said the whole team. No, no. Whole sorry. Sorry. Uh, which team put out? Oh, well, that was a bad question. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we've got Alex Trebek, and then we've got Wonga. Yeah. Very well, I'm not always great. So, uh, Jimmy, Christine Sinclair has the most caps for, for Canada's women's national team with 326. What player sits second? Ooh. I think Ooh. I might know this one. I'm going to say... Uh... Five seconds. Rianne? No. Gregor? Eh. Sophie? Schmidt? Yes! Well done, My favorite The improvement, the improvement we call her to Amy Walsh. Why didn't I say her? I like her. I like the way she plays. We call her. <laughs> That's a good guess. Yeah, no. I, My favorite number 13. Favorite number 13. <laughs> my, my second favorite after Matt Sundin. Mm, ah, yeah. That's nice. Craig, here's, a, here's one made just for you. Craig is coming up on the anniversary of his 9-0 match that set the record for most goals allowed in the Prem. This, been, this has been matched by two other teams. What three teams have blanked an opponent 9-0? Uh, Southampton twice? No, no. Go the other way. Oh, here we go. The two other team. What are the teams that have blanked the have have won nine nil? A one. Oh, have won uh, nine nil. Sorry. Yep. Liverpool. Spurs. No. 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 Mm-hmm. You got to name the one that, against your own. This is five seconds. Pretty sure. Yeah. Oh, Manchester United. Oh, right. Yeah. All right. Then. So we've got two, Amy. United and Liverpool. Chelsea. Nope. Man City. Nope. Southampton. Man New, City. Newcastle. It was Leicester City. Oh, it was Leicester? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Didn't Man City do it? No. Nah. I don't trust your answers all right, at well, all. I we're going to double check. <laughs> we need to proofread these. We're going to double check. Yeah, we do. We have to proofread these. <laughs> okay, Amy. This who, is amazing. Who set a new record and the reason... Well, I'm not going to tell you the reason. Who set a new record for most left-footed goals in Premier League history, overtaking Robbie Fowler's, Fowler's previous record of 105? Oh, my goodness. Uh... Eh. No idea. You're looking, Charms. It's your it's your answer. You should know this. I should. Yep. And Amy should have known it too. Mm. Who set a new record for the most left-footed goals in Premier League history? Man City. Mo Salah. <laughs> Mo Salah. Jimmy. Salah scored 19 um, goals last season when he broke the record. How many times, Charms? Yeah. How many times have all three promoted teams been relegated Ooh, in the Prem? That's a good question. Uh, including this year? Yep. It's probably going to happen. Um, once. It is once. In Premier League history, only happened in 97, 98, when Barnsley, Bolton, and Crystal Palace were relegated. What a sad story. You come up, that's like... I, I think it's not a sad story. I think if they're being smart and not overspending, they might go back down, but long term, they're more sustainable. Ah, uh, see. That's what I'd say about that. Jimmy? LAFC has some big-name celebrity supporters, one being Be Real of this marijuana-loving hip-hop band who sang Insane in the Membrane. Mm. Who was it? Insane <laughs> in the Membrane is... Uh... Insane in the Brain! Oh, what are they called? Craig, you ain't going to get it. Oh, my God, who sings that? 
I have no idea. Cypress Hill. Yeah, oh, I can't do that. You can't do that. Oh, I can't? No, no. you can't get a second guess. I get it. Okay, it's Amy. Amy, no, I think it, because Craig, no, did you guess? He didn't no, guess. He had no it idea. was still with Craig. Craig gets 25 points because Jimmy. Craig, it was an OG. That. Get that. Hey, that was an OG. Give me half of those. All right. Be half Real also co wrote the LAFC theme song, Repping the City, and it's actually really good. If anyone ever goes to YouTube. Okay, Gregor, <laughs> this is a keeper question. Who has the most clean sheets by a Canadian women's national team keeper? Uh. Aaron McLeod. Aaron McLeod at 49, Karina LeBlanc 47, wow. Steph LeBay at 44. Craig Forrest knows his keeper. I think we're running yes. short of time here. I think we may have to wrap it now. Last question. Who did Craig Forrest call a jock sniffer <laughs> after the Canada men's national team qualified for the World Cup after visiting with the team briefly at a classy restaurant in Toronto? Oh, my God. <laughs> Don't say it. All right. Uh... Amy? Dero. No. <laughs> it's Drake. It was Drake. All right. <laughs> that's it. This is a really polished segment, isn't it? <laughs> so good. Um, so that's it, right? That's it. Uh, just so you know, Drake, Craig called him a, uh, Drake, if you want to come on the show, it was Craig who called you a jock sniffer <laughs> in my tent doing a podcast. Just so you know. Uh, JC, where do we, uh, we stand here, despite Jimmy cheating? In absolute last place with zero points is Amy Dubs-Walsh. Hey. <laughs> and in number one, all the way from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, Craig Forrest. We will have your trophy shipped out to you, Craig. You will also <laughs> receive this Puma top, which you gifted Amy, which we will gift <laughs> right back to you. <laughs> well, Craig shouldn't have won it because he, he just jumped aboard your stupidity, right? Jimmy, uh, Cypress Hill. It's not, it's not Trivial Pursuit. You can't just yell out answers. Um, we've got about a minute left here. Um, <laughs> yeah, JC, right. JC um, is there anything that we didn't get to, should have yeah. got to? Anything you want to correct us on? Uh, well, unfortunately, Aerosmith will have to come on next week. Uh, we ran short on time. Mm. Sorry, Stephen. Um, but uh, I think you guys covered a lot of it. So um, this was a great show. And I like my new spot underneath the stairs. It's great. More JCs just means a better show, I think. We didn't get yeah, to, I was hoping to get to the whole five sub rule. It's quite contentious. And, mm. and we're seeing a lot of teams use it to the benefit or vice versa. We're seeing Pacific, for example, in CPL really using it to the benefit. Next week, we will get to that. It was our boy Armin's idea. It was, was a great, great segment. So, yeah. so we just, I think the Canada soccer stuff just kind of blew up. And it's a great conversation as well, albeit damn depressing. Charm. Damn depressing. Can I thank Kate Tegelar for my fantastic mug? Yes, you can. Which is an Alicia Chapman quote. She fucking jumped into me, you twat. Yes. Yeah, enjoy the beeps on that one, everyone. <laughs> That's uh, one of the great moments of Canadian soccer, though. Alicia is a poet. One of the great, great moments, I think, in the recent, recent times, that's for sure. All right, it's been Footy Prime, the podcast on One Soccer. Thank you so much, everyone. Craig, fly back safe. You'll be joining us on the big screen next week. Laters, Check everyone. Check us on socials. Bye. Follow us on Twitter at footy underscore prime and on Instagram at footy prime IG. 